When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, before we get to the questions this week, we've got some topics that absolutely need addressing, and a couple of them are quarterback-related, so that really bumps them up the priority list there to the top. <laughs> First of let which... Let me just tell you yeah, this. Let me just, Let me just... You know, I did... Uh, I was on a conference call with Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin, and I told them, I said, you know, we need more quarterback issues. <laughs> so kind of get on this. So Omar said, hey, no problem. We'll take care of it for it, you. It's so nice so, of them when you ask them to join in for Asked and Answered production meetings that they jump to it, you know, because they don't have other things they need to do. They're not busy. No, anymore. absolutely not, no. Well, the one thing that they have done is sign Mitch Trubisky to a three-year contract, an extension that binds him through the 2025 season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Omar's got his quarterback room pretty set for the foreseeable future, huh? It sure looks that way. I mean, this coming shortly after – uh, adding Mason Rudolph back into the fold, uh, which we discussed on last week's podcast. Uh, but this, to me, uh, really kind of solidifies things. I mean, uh, you know, in the offseason, when, when this offseason started, at separate times, uh, Art Rooney II, the team president, GM Omar Khan, and then uh, Mike Tomlin, the head coach, all said at different venues that, um, you know, they liked Mitch Trubisky and were happy slash confident with him being the number two quarterback. Now, you know, that didn't necessarily convince all of Steelers Nation that that was going to happen. Um, some people, some media people, uh, believed that, you know, Trubisky was going to be a cap casualty or trade bait or, you know, whatever. Uh, and then when Mason was signed, uh, the pre last week, then uh, you know I was I was hearing more about the same kinds of things. Right. You know, bring Mason back; he can be the backup. You know, you can either uh, cut Trubisky to save the cap number, or um, you know, trade him. Um, you know, for something. But I mean, you don't sign a guy to a three-year contract. Uh, as you mentioned, binds him to the team through the 2025 season and then cut him. Because um, <laughs> that was the that well, that was the point of the the contract extension was to lower his cap hit. And uh, you know, the, the there's a lot of terms of the contract that are floating around out there. And you know, what what you need to be careful of when this kind of issue comes up. You know, uh, you see that. Well, it's the contract is for this, with incentives that could make it this. Um, now, you know those kinds of incentives, uh, they throw those in there. Uh, a lot of times, agents really jump on that and that that number as what the contract is really worth. When in reality, it probably is not. Right. I mean, I don't know specifically what the incentives are in Mitch Trubisky's contract, but I mean there are incentives. 
uh, generally that can be put into that kind of contract that might say 500000 to be NFL MVP. Um, you know, whatever 100000 to be the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, you know, and those certainly I think that uh, if, if that happens, um, you know, that, that Steelers would be extremely happy <laughs> to pay those. <laughs> if you win but, a Super Bowl, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll fork yeah. over the 300 grand or whatever. <laughs> because, uh, you know, and, and the way that the those kinds of incentives are uh, categorized by the league for salary cap purposes are, you know, likely to be earned, non-likely to be earned. And the difference is, if it's something that the player has already done, for example, Mitch Trubisky, uh, start three games in a season. Okay, he's done that multiple times in his career previous, so that's a likely-to-be-earned incentive. Right. And so then that number will count on the cap, even um, you know, even though he's not going to be paid that definitely. Uh, and then the you know non-likely-to-be-earned uh, would be in Super Bowl MVP, as an example. <laughs> uh, now, you couldn't do that with... Tom Brady, if he were still a player, <laughs> well, uh, you know, you couldn't do that with, uh, in, in the case of Terry Bradshaw, when, you know, if, if he were still, you know, players who have done those things and then a team signs them, you know, to, to subsequent contracts, you can put that in as an incentive, but then it counts on the cap already. And then if he, the player doesn't earn it, then you get the money back. So anyway, this is a long uh, roundabout way of getting to the fact that, you know, all those predictions about Trubisky being a disgruntled player, yeah, he didn't right. want to be here, uh, he, he was going to demand a trade or, you know, force himself to be cut, you know, be that kind of guy, um, you know, that, that's, that's now, I think, I would hope that everyone now understands that that's not incorrect, or that was, that is not correct, excuse me. Um, and that it probably never was correct. And, you know, he's it would be not... weird if he decided to sign through 2025 and he hated it here. That would be a weird move. Yes. Yes, it would. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't I don't think Trubisky is, you know, uh, a weird or uh, another another adjective to describe the move would be stupid. I don't think he's stupid either. And, you know, let's not forget. I mean, that the. Um, the workout that the, the Steelers had in Florida uh, at the, you know, I don't know what it was. It was before the draft. Right. It was before phase one of the offseason program in Florida. And a lot of it, the way it was described, was Kenny Pickett gathering with the receivers. Well, I mean, Trubisky lives in Florida. He, you know, was he was he was instrumental. I won't say he was totally responsible, but I think it's fair to say he was instrumental in that happening. And so, you know, again, that's a sign of a guy who is uh, a teammate and who is, you know, relatively happy with his role with that team. Uh, and, you know, you just, uh, again, as I said, all of that stuff that was out there was reported or speculated about or whatever in the media on social media, you know, isn't true. Trubisky will be the, the backup to Kenny Pickett. Um, and as you mentioned, if you're going to have 
uh, well, and the Steelers have been a team that always has three quarterbacks on their 53-man roster. And if you're going to continue to do that, you might as well have three guys with NFL starting experience, which is what they now have. Especially now, Labs, because of a new rule enacted by the NFL where you can have a third quarterback available on game days in case of injury to the other two. So Mason Rudolph joins the Steelers, and about three to four days later, he gets this rule change that is great for him. He gets to wear a helmet on game days now. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess we could call it maybe the – bail out Kyle Shanahan rule, you know, because <laughs> instead of the Brock Purdy rule, you want to go with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that you know, stings because, a little bit more. Well, uh, because I, I, I've, I, I still don't, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Yes. The, the uh, origin of the rule was the NFC championship game. And I just don't understand if you go into that game as the coach of a team that, I won't. I don't know if they were favored or not, but certainly uh, the the 49ers were very much a legitimate contender for that NFC championship. Yeah, no one was going to be surprised spot. if they won, right? Right, and, and a spot in that Super Bowl. And you're the head coach of a team that goes in with only two quarterbacks on your roster because um, the the 49ers already had lost Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo to season-ending injuries, okay? They go into that game with Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson, who was a mid-season kind of pickup guy. Um, and then early <laughs> first quarter, you're having a backup tight end block a, uh, an Eagles edge rusher, Hassan Reddick, who had, what, 15, 16, 17 sacks, some ridiculous number like that. Uh, and then what, you're surprised when he gets in on your quarterback and hits him <laughs> in a way that, you know, injures him. Uh, and then again, you know, there wasn't enough, even after that happens, okay, you lose Purdy, uh, then you put in Josh Johnson, and you put him in a situation where he gets concussed. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe they should so make anyway. a rule where Shanahan can use six linemen. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or maybe, you know, they have some sort of, you know, they have that um, communicator in the helmet. Uh, maybe whenever he would call a play that puts uh, a quarterback in danger in those situations, um, you know, I don't know, they would cut off the audio or something, <laughs> and somebody from New York would say, no, nah, that's not really a smart thing to do. Think of something else. <laughs> that voice doesn't um, sound like Kyle. It sounds like Goodell's. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, just to explain uh, the thing uh, a little bit. Now, the emergency uh, quarterback can only um, be activated by an injury to one of the to the uh, other guys, or uh, if they get thrown out of the game for you know whatever reason, <laughs> fighting, you know, or you know who knows if a quarterback. Uh, takes a headshot to a defensive line. Who, who knows? Maybe the quarterback uh, delivers a headshot to the guy who missed the block on the guy who has 17 sacks. Uh, but anyway, uh, so it only uh, occurs after injury or disqualification. Like if, if your quarterbacks stink, you, you, can't go you to don't get three, to act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. So, and then if um, 
either of the first two quarterbacks are cleared or then cleared by the team's medical staff to return to play, then you've got to take the third guy out. Mm. So um, then he can only go back in if another injury scenario uh, uh, comes into play. So, you know, and then if a, if a team puts three quarterbacks on the, inactive, on the active list for a game, you know, then there's no emergency option. I mean, you've right. got three quarterbacks active. You could just go to them, and then it's, it's similar to what Shanahan maybe should have done in that NFC championship game. So uh, that's, that's kind of the rule. Oh, and if, if also what we have come to see uh, lately is this since COVID, um, the rules about you can do game day uh, uh, activations off the practice squad. And then those guys then automatically get returned to the practice squad after the game. You can't do that with a quarterback. Mm. Like, for example, you can't keep your quarterback on the practice squad, make him a game day uh, practice squad elevation, right. and then make him eligible to be the third quarterback. That doesn't work either. So th- uh, this, this is kind of complicated. And, you know, it's probably, well, it's not probably. It will take me a little while, I think, to really kind of grasp all of the meanings behind it and the ways that you can use it or can't use it or the way maybe some teams are going to try and beat the system. <laughs> maybe um, a little Rodney Dangerfield but, if your second quarterback's thinking, oh, my arm, my arm, oh, <laughs> I can't go in, coach, uh, I'm out. Well, see, that's because, you know, as I mentioned, one, uh, uh, one of the provisions of the rule is that if the medical staff clears that quarterback to return, then you gotta you gotta take the emergency guy out. So I'm wondering if you know how they have the independent observer from the NFL to dealing with the concussion That's situations. Maybe that you have to do that now too with this. I think you have to because what if that third stringer is coming and lighting up, and the medical guy goes up to the head coach and says, "Hey, he's ready to go back in." No, he's not. Pretend like you never had this conversation with me, right? Like you need yeah. somebody to check that. Yes, that, that I would think. But again, uh, that's for for me at this point. Uh, that would be speculation. I would think, as you just mentioned, that would make sense because that to me would close a gigantic loophole. <laughs> but um, you know, I'm not going to assume anything. One last thing I wanted to run by you before we get to the questions this week. They did approve flexing of Thursday night football games. They initially wanted to do it with just 14 days notice. That failed. The new proposal has 28 days notice to flex a Thursday night game. That passed pretty overwhelmingly in the owner's vote. So now you're not guaranteed to be locked in on a Thursday night. You could be flexed. They do give them a nice runway, like I mentioned, about a month to to know that you're going to move. But still, moving Thursday night games around, that's tough. Yeah, and I I think it's... Uh, it's it's tough on the fans. That's I mean, the it's not a part, yeah. it's not a fan friendly kind of rule, in my opinion. Uh, the Steelers, uh, Art Rooney II, as he voted against it in March, he voted against it, um, you know, a day or two ago in Minnesota when this was ultimately passed. And you know, you just mentioned uh, overwhelming approval. Well, let me just explain. I mean, there were eight no votes, uh, 24 to eight, it passed. Now, if it was 23 to nine, it's defeated. Ooh. So it wasn't overwhelming. So approval. I'm an idiot then. One. Well, you're, you just, <laughs> it has to be, it has to be uh, two thirds. 
That's why you're so, here, Labs. So nine no votes kills it. They got eight. Uh, John Mayer, the, the uh, Giants co-owner, also was very vocally against it in March and again was vocally against it after it passed this time. You know, and this is just my take on this. I'm not, I don't want to speak for anyone except myself. Uh, I think that what the league now is kind of showing is that it is prioritizing um, games on television, watching games on television as opposed to attending games in person. Yep. Um, and so let me just give you a little, a few of the details as I understand them so far. These games, these Thursday games, can only be flexed between weeks 13 and 17. Um, and then there's, a, as you mentioned, 28 days, four-week notice required. Only two Thursday night games can be flexed per year. Oh, okay? okay. And and this is, so it's four total. I mean, it's not, or excuse me, two total, not two per team. And, um, you know, it's still on a trial basis. So I'm sure that uh, the league is going to uh, analyze this from a you know, re- television rating standpoint for Amazon Prime, which has the Thursday night schedule, and also uh, possibly look into the gate situation because, you know, let's not forget, ticket revenue now is shared by all 32 teams. Now, I don't know if that could have a big enough impact financially in a negative way that would force the owners and the league to revisit this and maybe go back. But, I mean, that is uh, another another factor. Now, uh, using the Steelers as a specific example, you know, when we talked about the schedule uh, and the schedule was released, uh, you know, we mentioned that, you know, the, you know, going before the schedule was announced, you knew who the team was playing and you knew where they were playing them. So really, the schedule announcement was just a, you know, a kickoff time and a date, as opposed to a whole lot of news. And as we mentioned, that those kickoff times and dates were kind of not really that big a deal because they could change them anyway. Okay, so using the Steelers' schedule as a specific example, uh, on December the seventh, the Steelers play New England, which is a Thursday night game. Now, the next week on the schedule is a game at Indianapolis, which is listed as TBD. Mm. You know, that's in the middle of all the, um, you know, the flexing period. So that would be an example of a game for the Steelers that could be a candidate, candidate, the Colts game in Indianapolis, to be flexed to Thursday night. Now, in that specific instance, um, that would be a pretty nice deal for the Steelers because you'd have a full week to prepare for the Colts because New England is a Thursday night. There so you go, that, yeah. then the next Thursday, that's a week. And because you got to give them 28 days notice, the coaches would know in way advance that that game was yes. going to get flexed. So it's not like you're caught uh, late and trying to prepare you know it's going to be a Thursday night game, so that you just alter your schedule, you know, after New England before Indianapolis, so that you're on a week-to-week basis, and then your next game isn't until the Sunday after that. So you have like a little mini buy before hosting the Bengals. So, um, 
you know, as I said, like I was talking about the quarterback rule, this flexing thing is probably going to require a little bit more time of me for me to uh, delve into it a little bit to get all the ins and outs. But I think right now that sounds like a pretty good deal for the Steelers um, because it takes the sting out of being flexed to Thursday night right. because you have a previous Thursday and then you get a mini buy going against what I believe is the best team in the division, the Bengals. Um, so and it's late in the season. You know, maybe that's a critical game for standings and playoff um, ramifications, et cetera. So, but again, we're going to have to see how this all works out. Well, we do have some questions that need answering today, and our first one comes from George Thomas from Ocala, Florida, and he wants to know, I have heard the term 12 personnel used when describing a team's offensive alignment. What does that mean? Well, i got to give George credit because I've heard the term 12 personnel used a lot too, and I had no idea. <laughs> and then I figured, well, okay, let's, let's, let's do a little research into this. So um, 12 personnel – uh, you know, the uh, coaches, teams, um, when naming a personnel grouping or identifying a personnel grouping, they have come with a specific numbering system to use, okay? And 12 personnel refers to the number of running backs and tight ends that are on the field for a particular play. So, mm. you know, as, as I've mentioned, the, there's a guy up in the box, uh, and for both offense and defense. And those guys are responsible for getting that information to the sideline or to the play caller as quickly as possible. So in the sense of 12 personnel, it would usually be for your defense to know. Gotcha. Um, so if your defensive coordinator is on the field and the other team substitutes, okay, so your guy up in the box looks at it and says they're using 12 personnel. So right away the defensive coordinator knows that that refers to the number of running backs and tight ends on the field. Okay, So that means two tight ends, one running back, that's called 12 personnel. So then the, the defensive coordinator can you know, do what's necessary or what they planned to do against that particular uh, personnel grouping by the opponent. Don't feel bad, George, for not knowing what 12 personnel was. I didn't know how the owner's votes worked just five minutes ago, so we're all not experts in everything. <laughs> Tom Brusda from Wildemar, California, asks, who replaces the departed J.C. Hassenauer as the backup center to Mason Cole based on the current Steelers roster? Yeah, I mean, I can give you, uh, Tom, I can give you some possibilities, but I don't know that it's, um, it's it, it, there's even a front runner yet. I mean, maybe in the backs of the minds of the coaches, they have some of this stuff uh, thinking that this may be the way they're going to go, but I don't think it's it, it would be, you know, etched in stone yet. So, right. uh, you know, you, you mentioned based on the current Steelers roster, okay, here we go. You know, some of the possibilities, uh, James Daniels, veteran, um, was right, played, started 17 games right guard last year, um, has some experience playing center. You know, Ryan McCollum is a guy who's on the roster, uh, listed as a center. Nate Herbig, 
uh, the guy who the Steelers signed, the unrestricted free agent from the Eagles. He has some experience, you know, as a center-capable guy. Also, you know, a lot of people want to know why the Steelers spent their last pick of the draft, the seven, uh, second pick of the seventh round, on this Maryland offensive lineman, Spencer Anderson. What are they doing picking an offensive lineman, you know, that late? Well, the reason is, is the guy has experience at all five mm -hmm. offensive line positions, and including in those all five offensive line positions uh, is center. And he started five games at center at the University of Maryland during the 20 and 21 seasons. So, you know, maybe that is some uh, some way that they, they try and deal with this. Because if Spencer Anderson shows that he can is worthy of a spot on the 53-man roster, you know, when you're looking for game day helmets, you know, if, if he's capable, you can put him in there and he could be a backup at, I don't know, three or four different positions including center, which would also, I would imagine, enhance his prospects for making that 53-man <laughs> roster. So, I mean, that's what we got right now. Uh, I don't know that, you know, that's going to be the final group we're um, being considered because, as we've seen still, the Steelers are making roster moves just about every day. You know, they're adding some people, they're cutting other people. So, I don't know that... Uh, this is going to be finalized until we get into late July, and who knows, maybe even after that, there might be some changes too. But right now, you say based on the current Steelers roster, those are the names that I would throw out there. R.A. Piguer from Saint State College, Pennsylvania, asks, when it comes to listing a player's experience, what is the difference between a rookie and a first-year pro? Uh, okay, I'm going to try and be as simple as possible with this. A rookie is a guy who is going directly from college football to his first attempt at making an NFL roster. He's a rookie. A first-year pro is a guy who has never made an NFL roster yet, but he has tried already. Mm. So, for example, if um, I get invited to Steelers training camp <laughs> this year and I get cut – and then they sign me to a futures contract, and I get brought back again next year, I'm a first-year pro. Gotcha. If you go or you get signed uh, to go to training camp, you're a rookie. That's the difference. Paul Somerville from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I have always wondered why the starting center on the offensive line cannot do the long snapping on special teams since they already handle the shotgun snaps. Oh, boy, here we go again. <laughs> um, okay, let me ask you this, Paul. <laughs> um, why can't an orthopedic surgeon, and that's a guy who repairs knees and elbows, also do brain surgery and remove tumors? <laughs> I mean, it's the same principle. You know, you put the patient under anesthesia, that you cut into a body part and you fix what's wrong. I mean, simple. Same skill set. Easy peasy. Um, easy peasy. Actually, it's not. So <laughs> um, based on your question, the skill set required to be an NFL long snapper is on a whole other level than being a center capable of executing a shotgun snap. I mean, we've seen shotgun snaps. They float back to the quarterback. Uh, sometimes they're uh, – off target, what I would say they're outside the imaginary strike zone. I mean, how many times do we see Ben Roethlisberger have to, you know, go low or, you know, high or 
outside, you know, to grab these shotgun snaps and then execute the play. Uh, You can't do that on a a placement kick or a punt. I mean, those those snaps have to be back to the punter or the holder uh, in under two seconds. If not, then make a Fitzpatrick blocks it like he did week one. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And, uh, you know, tenths of a second matter in that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when when it comes to placement kicks, field goals, extra points, good long snappers will spin the ball back, and when the holder catches it, he doesn't even have to spin the ball to, to have the uprights face in the goalposts. I mean, that's how good they are. That's how fine uh, of a skill it is. Because, you, as you mentioned, one-tenth of a second, Minka's in there blocking yeah. the kick, and then you're losing the game <laughs> in overtime or whatever. So, you know, if the question is based on trying to save a roster spot, Paul, I'm just telling you, it's not worth it. You need a real long snapper because games can be lost if um, you don't have one. And our final question today comes from Eric Feldman from Lake Worth Beach, Florida. How is the Steelers' salary cap adjusted during the offseason slash training camp? Can teams bring in players, undrafted free agents, draft picks, unrestricted free agents, and others, and go above the salary cap? Or do they just have to meet the cap by certain dates? Okay, first of all, there's no going over the cap. That's not allowed. You don't want to do that. You don't want to try that. At any point, you know, right? Li- no no at any... 365 days of the year, don't do it. Right, uh, because if you do or try it, there, there's a lot of uh, safety measures involved. You know, contracts can be voided by the league office, Ooh. and a guy that is on your team is all of a sudden a free agent. <laughs> um or they'll find, and sometimes they'll do that and find you a big number. Um, yeah, so there's no going over the salary cap. Now, the the way it's adjusted during the off season training camp when, when there are 90 players on a roster, only the top 51 salaries count, mm. and that's salaries in terms of total dollars. So, you know, there's going to be – there are right now, the Steelers I think are at 87 or 88, I don't know, based on – what they did yesterday, I think it's 87, but don't quote me on that. Um, so only the top 51 numbers, uh, salary numbers, count on those among those 87 guys. And then that's the way it is until the day that uh, you cut to your 53-man roster. When that happens, then all 53 guys have to uh, fit under the cap. And then the next day, when you had your practice squad mm-hmm. guys, those guys have to fit under the cap, and that's the same cap then until um, you know the that the season ends, and then the off season starts, and then it goes back to fifty one. You know, being a GM working in these front offices seem pretty stressful, Ebs. There's a lot of moving parts, <laughs> a lot of money management that's involved. I don't think it's that's why they get paid the do. big bucks. <laughs> I suppose. Well, it's right. kind of like you. It's kind of like you putting together a monthly budget every time you haul in those big paychecks. Mm, yes, my monthly budget of $100. Trying to make that last. <laughs> That's all we got yep. for you today. He's Bob Labriel. I'm Tom Offerman. I always appreciate you guys sending in questions and giving us a listen. Get your questions in the labs now. Maybe you'll hear them on a future edition of the Asked and Answered podcast. Until then, we'll talk to you guys next week. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.